You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Jessica Maguch, founder at JPM Sales Partners, about emotional intelligence and sales. Emotional intelligence is a really interesting topic to me because you know, I, I'm a very tactical person in nature. So I, I really want to get to like what to say <laughs> and what does that sound like? And if you've been listening to the show recently, you've seen the last you know several episodes have been sort of a mix of not only the tactics and, and, and what do you say, but really more of the science or the psychology behind why those things work. And a theme that you're probably seeing is one that I have only really, I would say, figured out in the last couple of years and kind of put two and two together is around this, you know, people buy based on emotion and justify with logic. I always thought that that was just getting people excited about stuff. And, it, you know, I think that's a part of it. But really what it's about is engaging people on an emotional level and just understanding that, you know, their first impression of you, especially when you're prospecting or the first impression of those first few minutes on a sales call, like that feeling that the prospect has over this is either a good thing to do or not a good thing to do, or I shouldn't do anything. Like that's that's an emotional response that they will then look to logical reasons to justify the way that they're feeling. So really what it comes down to is that you know people don't really like to change and it sort of goes against our human nature to do that. But what we're doing in sales and what our guest is going to talk about today is really transforming you know, people and getting people to move from where they are to where they want to be, right? So it is change. We have to get them to, to change ultimately, which is a very hard thing to do when you think about it. But if you're listening to the show for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. And my goal in this show is to help you think outside the script in your prospecting approach and use proven tactics and strategies to set more meetings with your ideal clients. So Jessica Magooch is who we're going to be talking to, or who I'm going to be talking to at least. And I'm excited for you to listen to this interview for a couple of reasons. One, what I share in common with Jessica is the fact that we both have a love for music, and only she's much better than I am. <laughs> uh, so she is a jazz musician, and she talks a lot about music and the connection with music and sales, which is really cool. She's also got some crazy experience over a three-year period growing a B2B startup sales team from zero to $100 million. Pretty cool stuff. And she's also pretty in tune with emotional intelligence and how that relates with sales. So I think you're really, really going to dig this. Before we get to the interview, uh, one quick favor I have is if you're enjoying this interview and you haven't yet, if you could leave a quick, honest review on iTunes. We do this show for free. iTunes uh, reviews help get it more exposure so we can get on great guests so that you can continue listening and getting hopefully a ton of value out of this. So if you could do that, just search for Blissful Prospecting on iTunes or go to blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes. That'll get you directly there. Short, honest review. Would really appreciate it. And let's get into the interview. All right. So I'm excited to talk to you today, Jessica. So we were introduced through Alex Batdorf. I've never said her last name, actually. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she's got a really cool accelerator that she does for for women uh, called the Get Shit Done Accelerator, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. Yeah. yeah. So, so we sort of met through her and we talked and I was like, uh, yeah, let's, let's jam. We're, we're trying to find ways to collaborate. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to talk to you today. Yeah, me too. Love, love being here with blissful prospecting. Yeah. So 
Okay, a couple of things, and I mentioned to you this before we started recording, but that I wanted to get started with is your career is really, really interesting to me because it's you don't have this, I only did sales for my entire career and I worked my way up at all these different companies. And you've done that part of it, but then so many other like tangential things, if that's if that's a word. <laughs> but, uh, so how did you get into sales? Because I saw that you're an acting major at NYU. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that you eventually got into sales? Yeah. Uh, so my father was a national sales trainer for um, a, a few different organizations. And his track record was bringing companies that were on the verge of bankruptcy out of bankruptcy all the way to going IPO by developing world-class national sales teams, commission-only sales teams. We're talking thousands of reps. So this was my life growing up. I grew up in sales. My whole family's in sales. So of course I swore I would never do it. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. that's not me. <laughs> I'm an artist. Um, but that's the world I grew up in. So I kind of, you know, like, like someone who's a great musician because they're parents were famous musicians, right? It's just like Mm -hmm. you absorb it. I absorbed a lot of that in sales, but I swear I'd never do it because of that, you know, the connotation sales has, right? It's icky, it's pushy, um, it's manipulative. Uh, That wasn't me. So I went to, um, but I always, I always wanted to be an actress on the stage, musical theater. So I went to, to, to my parents' dismay, went to NYU for acting and with a focus in musical theater. And after that, I was also a yoga teacher. So I also am a kundalini yoga and meditation teacher. And that was my initial job to get through while I was auditioning for roles. Um, but then one day, my father said, hey, I'm, I'm working on with this new startup. It's a healthcare startup in New York. And they're giving me an apartment a three-bedroom apartment. So if you want to come work with me, I need a sales assistant. Uh, You can live with me rent-free in my apartment and you can go audition whenever you want. (laughs) And I was like, okay, uh, there's, what's the downside, you know? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this was part of his larger scheme to get me into sales. So I'm one of five too. And um, we all felt that the same way. And consequently, we're all in sales now in some way or the other. So all my siblings are top, top sales leaders at their organizations too. But, um, he, so, but I was the first one he really bribed into it. And so just being there in the environment, being in the training rooms, watching what was happening, watching the reps go out. I, you know, I'm pretty, um, like, I've got a lot of confidence in certain things. So they were coming back and they were making all this money. And I was like, I think I could do that, you know, (laughs) and I think I could do it better. So I learned everything from him through that training program there as a rep. And I was immediately the number one salesperson on the team, which was like good and bad, right? Because everyone assumed it was because I was getting special treatment, which wasn't Yeah. But um, I attribute to that that to my artistic background and understanding the emotional side of the business. So I took everything I learned and kind of deconstructed it and made it my own so that when I started building my own team, 
I actually hired all artists on my team. My team was 90% from artist background, whether they were actors, musicians, d- designers, um, fashion designers on my team of sales reps. I converted them into sales reps. <laughs> so when we had the top team in the company, we did over $100 million in three years in revenue. That's crazy. So, but just phenomenal. It was like, it was a machine. It was a machine, but it was fun, is exciting. Um, and it was all because I had deconstructed the traditional methods into something that, was, that wasn't icky, pushy, or salesy. And that worked, right? Got conversions. Um, so that's how I got into sales. And then when I left, uh, when they got acquired and uh, right when I was, I was seven months pregnant, so perfect timing. <laughs> and I decided that I would not work for another company, but start my own sales coaching company and, and help lots of entrepreneurs. Cause I also got involved in, um, startup and investing in startups. So I saw a real need for really great, um, sales training, <laughs> my kind of sales training to help people launch their mission driven businesses. This is super cool. So there's, there's so many things that you shared there that we could get into. So, uh, okay. One thing that you said that stuck out to me was you talked about the emotional side and also hiring artists. Mm-hmm. When I think of salespeople and I think most people don't think of salespeople, they don't really think of that being a creative person or doing something that's creative. Mm-hmm. It, how do you look at, do you look at it being something creative? And cause it sounds like your background a lot of it was this like artist and you still are right. You're a, you're a jazz musician right now as well. You shared what, yeah. what part of sales to you feels like, like art. Cause most people I think would say that it's science and I don't necessarily agree with that either. Hmm. Well, like art and like music, I'll use music as my example. Cause music is my primary language. Right? So music is, effective because it transforms people on an emotional level in a very short period of time, right? Mm-hmm. It's a combination of create, creative and artistic and scientific, right? So music is made up of notes. Those notes are, it's a pattern. It's, it's, it's mathematical. The, the things we like to hear, there's a mathematical explanation for it right? There's certain combinations of notes that go together and others don't, but they all produce emotion. So when we approach sales, it's the same thing. If we want to transform someone, sales is transformation, right? It's getting someone to move from where they are to where they want to be. So if we want to transform someone, it's no different than listening to a song and in three minutes and 20 seconds, you're a totally different person, right? You're having a bad day. You turn on your favorite song. What, think about what your, your favorite so- go-to song is. What's yours, by the way? Uh, there's a couple, but the first one that jumped out to me right now when I'm trying to get pumped up for sales is Running With The Devil by Van Halen. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm a big Van Halen fan. <laughs> so I love um, tonight's gonna be a good night. There you that go. like always the beat and everything, just like it's so old too, but it always gets me there, right? And so I can I know that if I'm not feeling great or motivated, I can turn on that song and I'm gonna have that song will transform me on an emotional level. I'll be in a different state. And that's what sales is. You, sales is changing people. 
right? They, they have a problem, but they want to solve it except for this big obstacle in the way, which is called change. They don't want to change. No one likes to change. It goes against our innate, our human nature. We're wired not to want to change. It's a protective mechanism, right? So we're going to do everything to try to protect ourselves. The only thing that's going to give us the courage and the impetus to move past that obstacle is emotion. In fact, the study of emotional intelligence proves that information enters the brain and hits the um, the center of the limbic center first, which is the area where you hold where you exper- experience emotions, passions, and before it moves towards the frontal lobe, which is the area that manages logic and reasoning. Right. So no matter who you are, right, unless you've gone under some some operation to have your brain rewired, <laughs> you're gonna receive information first and have an emotional response to it before you have a logical explanation for it. And the logic that you come up with is going to support that emotional response you had. So if your initial emotional response is something doesn't feel right about this, you're going to find reasons not to buy. If your initial emotional response is, I need this, I want this now, then your logical explanation is going to support reasons why you should buy. And so to be a really like next level transformative salesperson and SDR, because it's really all the same thing, is you need to hit on what are the emotional reasons my customers are buying? What is, the, what is that emotion that's going to get them to move? And how do I help them feel that emotion. Often, you know, the science side of sales is, um, you know, using certain techniques, but without the emotion, none, none of it really works. And it just comes across as manipulative. Um, yeah. So if, if you get stuck in this cycle of features, benefits, features, benefits, right. And you could just like, okay, let me just show them this. Let me prove my argument. We're in the wrong cycle. Like we've got to get out of that hamster wheel, get off that broken record and jump on over <laughs> and align ourselves emotionally with the client and help them transform so, so they can make a decision and, and take action and change. So what were some of the things, because you mentioned, hey, you were with this team for three years. You grew from zero to a hundred million bucks, which is crazy impressive. <laughs> um, yeah. What were some of those things like with your team that you found, did they pick up on the emotions thing pretty quickly? Or were there certain, you know, hurdles that you had to help them overcome to understand that you needed to engage on an emotional level first before you started talking about all the features and benefits and all that good stuff? Well, I think that's exactly why they were so successful so quickly. Because I didn't have to um, convince them that emotions were part of human behavior, <laughs> right? <laughs> they knew that that's what art's about, right? That's you, that's why you paint. That's why you put on a show. That's why you write music. Um, so that part was already done. And then you give them the technical pieces, the technical parts, the easy part and, the. um, Comparatively, right? Making that shift to understand, to ha- to inc- ultimately, it's increasing your emotional intelligence. That 
is a little more difficult and challenging. So when, when that piece is closer, it is closer to where it needs to be. And then you give them the tools to apply what, how they're already good at interacting with people on an emotional level. And then you give them some sales tools and techniques so that they can close the loop. Then you've got a a home run. You've got, you've got a, uh, um, what do you call it when your album goes um, gold, golden, (laughs) a platinum, (laughs) then you've got a, a platinum, platinum album. Yeah. Million copies. Platinum's a very rare thing these days with all the uh, electronic downloads. Say, right. Um, let's so let's get into some of those things that you help with and that you worked with, like your past teams uh, on as well. Like with, and I think a good starting point would be if if someone's listening to this, what are some ways that they could tell if they're actually like using emotions <laughs> and emotion yeah. and, and have good emotional intelligence. Like what are some, some ways that they can check and see and grade themselves, I guess, so to speak on how good they are at this. Ooh. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a great question. So there's a couple things you can do. One is if look at your copy right now, copy, meaning the words you're writing in your emails or in your presentation or your script, right? Show me the emotional words. Show me where the emotional words are in your copy. That's a great place to start, right? Because if you if you're if you're focused on that and you're thinking about that, then you're going to incorporate them in the words that you use in your in in your pitch. So that's one one way to to see if you're even um teasing it, right? Another way, emotions, you'll, you'll, uh, human behavior and like reading, reading body language is, I mean, it sounds like an old school thing, but it's actually a really good way of telling if you're affecting people emotionally. How, what is their body language telling you? Because that's subconscious. And so is the emotional part. Because if you ask people why they buy, they're not going to say any emotional reasons. Uh, very few people will say, I don't know. It just felt right, you know. <laughs> but they'll tell you if it hop. doesn't. They'll tell you if it doesn't feel right, though, right? Why if they why they didn't like someone? It's usually yeah. I just had a bad feeling, or it just didn't feel good. Um, yeah. What What yeah. are some of those? I'm just gonna. Sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you through this just because yeah. you have some good stuff to share here, and I'm curious about like when you say body language. What are some of those things? You you know, I guess a lot of people are selling through Zoom right now. Obviously, yeah, right? yeah. Or, or, so you have that advantage, like if yeah. you haven't. Um, you, when you have the ability to go face to face, go face to face because of, of the non 90% of communication is Mm nonverbal and not only your clients, but yours, right. You will communicate better when people can see you. Um, but yeah, what, what's their body language? Are they, are their arms open or are they closed? That's an obvious one, right? Um, you can, <laughs> I have a friend who's colorblind and in sales, and he says that he can tell when people have that aha moment, um, when they make that transformation, because the blood rushes to their cheeks. And because he's colorblind, he can see that more clearly. Oh, that's hilarious. That's cool. So, <laughs> so really cool. <laughs> what do you, um, to keep going along with this body language thing, what about... What do you recommend someone does if 
because sometimes you can do a Zoom call and you can tell the person's doing something else during that call, even on a video oh, call. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you recommend? How do you recommend addressing that? Oh my gosh, this happened to me the other day. And it happens to me sometimes too. It's like kind of humiliating feeling, right? <laughs> yes, it is. And I didn't address it. And I, in the moment, I knew I should have and I didn't. Yeah. And then I, you know what? I felt like crap afterwards. Yeah. Because first of all, I knew that wasn't the sale that was going to close, right? Not because he was looking away, but because he was looking away and doing other things and I didn't reel him back in. And, and, and so, so in this situation, he was um, like, he, he clearly maybe had two screens up or something or I was on his phone. So he was on his laptop and he like answered an email. I was just looking away and doing other stuff. And, um, and what I should have said was, do you need to go take that? Like yeah. something simple as that, like actually giving him the benefit of the doubt and the respect of like, maybe there's a real true emergency that he's got to get back to somebody. Um, and then that's fine. But to, to ignore it and let it go. I mean, it's, <laughs> but it, you, you want to say it's never their fault, right? It's always our fault. So when you take accountability, there's always room, there's always something you can change to get better results. That's step one, right? Like if there's, if you're the victim and you didn't do anything wrong, then you can't change anything. You can't get better results. So the question you can ask yourself then is, am I engaging them? So what I did do with him, which I always do is I asking him questions during my pitch. Yep. Put him Um, on the spot. Every time he looked, uh, yeah. And I would be like, does that make sense to you? Or like, which one of those do you think is most important for you? And he'd be like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, yeah, he shouldn't have done it. It was rude for him to do it, but I'm also need to be the one that's in control and know my worth and respect my time as much as I'm respecting his time. Um, but those can be indications that maybe your presentation is too wordy, you know, maybe you're talking too much instead of having a conversation even when you're doing a demo. Um, I think it's good. What can you do differently? Yeah. I I think it's good to set boundaries with prospects too, where that's, that creates more of a peer to peer dynamic where, yeah, you're going to take responsibility. I love what you said there. And you're also going to say, Hey dude, it's not worth my time to do a demo with you if you're not engaged either, you know, and I, I want you to be engaged and I'll work on better ways of doing that. But you know, Hey, we need to address the elephant in the room, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt because you don't want to be that jerk. That's like, Hey, is this even important to you? And then they're like, Oh, I just got a call from my kid's school. Like, Oh, I guess that is more important. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what about you? You mentioned before body language, you mentioned emotional words. And cause I think some people are going to hear that and they might not know what, that looks like or sounds like what are some examples in an email of emotional words versus someone that's being like really logical yeah so i so examples of words that there are over six thousand words that are that are emotional in our language and i think the last thing i read was we use less than a hundred of them or something like that wow um to express how we feel. So I thought that was interesting, right? Like we have at our fingertips, lots of ways to express the exact emotion 
that we want to hit at, um, but we don't use them. And of those 6,000, I think only like 30%, 25 to 30% are positive emotions and the rest are negative. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting too. Um, But people often do, we do an exercise where we create our perfect pitch. And what we do is we sandwich, like if you look at big um, like commercials, they sandwich emotion uh, logic between two pieces of emotion. This is like a, a logic sandwich, right? So you could, you could look at any of the commercials out there. They'll they'll have you bring you in with an emotion, tell you a stat or a, a fact to support their stance, and then leave with emotion. And um, what you want to do is uncover what your client's feeling now and wh- what they want to feel when they solve their problem. And it's not like pain pleasure, right? Like that's not true for all. That's not true for all sales. But you want to dig in and think, what is the emotion? And then make sure it's an emotional word. Because when we do that exercise, people say words or they they say words or phrases that aren't actually emotions, right? They feel like they want to solve their problems. That's not an emotion, (laughs) right? Yeah. Frustrated, um, that would be right. That's an emotion. Okay. So, you're so if you were summarizing an email, it might be like, Hey, Jessica, from our conversations, sounds like you're really frustrated with response rates to your cold emails, and it's creating some anxiety around you guys hitting your target, like stuff like words like that. And is that what you're yes. talking about? Yeah, yes, but but with that, you need to go really deep into your avatar. Because yes, on the surface, it's they're not reaching their targets. So what? What does that mean? What does that mean for business? What does that mean for them personally? Yeah, It might not ever be something you call out, but like one of my clients, she's in machine learning for accounting. Uh, boring, right? <laughs> totally boring. <laughs> they, it, I mean, AI is really cool, but she, she like creates machines that learn how to reconcile uh, accounts so that they don't have to outsource it um, and and the machines do it. So we're like, okay, what's the problem here that we're really solving, right? And what we uncovered as we went through like some commonalities of our clients was th- when they have to reconcile these and bring in teams, it means once a month or once a quarter, I forget which one, they're staying like all weekend late nights. And this is not uncommon for like anybody in accounting, like that's the deal. And it's like, well, what if you didn't have to, what if, what's the consequence? They're missing their kids championship games, right? They're missing the football games. They're missing the baseball and the soccer. Their wife is like on their case because she doesn't get any attention anymore because they're staying late at work. Right. And so that's the real thing. That's the real pain that if you can get to that, that's the emotion that they really want to transform what's in it for them. Um, what if you, I love that by the way, Uh, like the note I wrote down there for myself is to make sure that like when we're coaching clients, through their prospects challenges, because that's such a key part of prospecting, you know, with the language that we include yeah. emotion and logic in that. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. pe- people tend to, you know, be very logic with logical with not hitting your sales targets, like percentage yeah. of quota, you know, stuff like right. that. Right. Sure. Yeah. That's um, the logic part. Yeah. 
What? But if you miss the mark with the emotion, then quite frankly, everyone starts sounding the same, right? Like everyone's telling me that they could make me more money or save me more money. Like what else is now? <laughs> yeah. They're going to save me money or they're going to save me time. But um, who's telling me like that, that I'm going to be able to spend more time with my kids or what, or my husband or there, there's a couple like great marketers that do this. And, um, when, when they do, it's like, you want to read everything they put out because like, wow, how did she get inside my head or how did he get inside my head? And by the way, male, female, no bearing on this in case it was a question, all humans are emotional beings. Yeah. Especially men. I think men actually might be more emotional, not in a good way (laughs) than women. They just like hide it and bury it (laughs) and don't express it. That's a conversation. They're allowed to to express certain emotions and not others. Like for people say men are not emotional. And like, I've been in offices. I hear a lot of screaming (laughs) for men. Like that's emotional. So it's not just crying. Emotions aren't just crying. So so yeah. what what would you suggest? Uh, what would you suggest for someone like if you're engaging a prospect and, and some people, especially I've known this with executives, and it usually tends to be men, <laughs> but like a VP of sales oh. or like a C level person is super A type. Sometimes they're just so black and white, and it's like hard sometimes to to engage them on an emotional level. If you're having challenges doing that? Is there anything you suggest to kind of get them to start to share a little bit more about how they feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where relationship comes in. So the thing, the thing that you want to focus on, like you're building a house, you're um, writing a song, right? The first thing I do when I write a song is I think I want the the found, the theme of the song. If I don't know what the song is about, nothing else falls into place. And so with sales, if I don't if I don't have a relationship, a foundation with that person, nothing else I'm everything else is going to feel like pulling teeth. Because that relationship garners trust and trust is what gets them to open up to you about their emotions and about their real problems. Got it. So I would rewind and and think to myself, we we don't have a good relationship here. How do I build the relationship? And that is that is you know I the easy way to explain that is talking about anything but the topic at hand, anything but what you're selling. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So we talked about emotional words and body language being good sort of indicators for Mm -hmm. us to grade ourselves. Is there anything that you recommend in terms of, you know, one or two ways that we can improve how we sell, you know, from an emotional standpoint? Yeah. So going back to grading, um, there is one more thing and that is sales. (laughs) Yeah. So the interesting thing is that at the end of the day, if, if you're an effective salesperson, you are transforming people emotionally. So if you're closing at least 50% of your sales presentations, and my clients are doing 70, 80% of their sales presentations, 
whether you know it or not, you created an emotional transformation. And this is the thing that's difficult to train people on because if you don't know that that's why you're selling, why you're successful, it's impossible to train somebody else to do it. Yeah. So if you think it's because you said something really smart or you have a really fancy presentation or your product's just amazing, then you, you, can't, you can't train somebody else to, to replicate. But if you understand what you're doing and why it's working, then you can. So uh, your, your second question was, how do you get better at it? Uh, yeah, like what are some – because I the feeling that you're talking about, I think everyone – well, anyone that's made a sale has probably felt what it really feels like when you do great discovery and you like, it feels like you feel a connection with a prospect, right? You're, you're connecting on a human to human level, much like you would meeting someone that you're becoming friends with for the first right. time. Like there's something that happens there immediately that you feel. And there's that level of rapport and engagement. Mm-hmm. My question is really like how, like, what are some, what are some tips, you know, that, if we're grading ourselves and we realize, Hey, we need some work in this area. Like what are a couple of practical things that we can do to, to more, to get to that place where we're really connecting with prospects mm-hmm. and it's not by accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes you just really do have a lot in common and, yeah, yeah. and other times you don't. <laughs> so, um, so that being said, the best place you can make an investment is in personal development. Because knowing yourself is what helps you understand other people. And that's why I think artists and creatives are so successful immediately at sales when they have the right tools is because they, that's what they do. You know, they, they are constantly pulling themselves from the inside out, you know, and exposing themselves and being vulnerable to the world. Um, so the more you can learn about yourself instead of worrying about how do I change the customer? How do I get them to feel something? Get to know your own emotions, get to know what's happening in your own head. Be start being ex, uh, extraordinarily aware of the minutia, the, the small details. So every response that you have, um, emotionally, physically, be aware of what, what kind of responses you're having. When someone says something or does something or you get stuck in traffic or you're stuck in quarantine, right? What's, what's going on and why is it happening? Why am I having this response? Because you don't have to have that response and certainly people respond in different ways. So why am I responding this way? How does that show up in my body? What does my body look like? What does my body feel like? Because that's what body language is, right? It's just uh, an external, it's an external expression of our internal emotions. So what does my body look like when I'm watching a really, you know, a horror flick, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or, um, or I think about, I might be getting laid off. Like what, or I think, or, or I, getting engaged or something. What does my body look like in those moments, winning a victory? Um, And start to really get to know yourself and not with the intention to change yourself. Like don't judge, like it's all, it's all good, but just to be aware of what's going on 
when it's going on and why it's happening. So that whatever you're bringing into the sales conversation is at least coming from a more neutral place. <laughs> yeah. Because we'll end up projecting our own, you know, objections onto the customer. And once you, when, as soon as you learn, when you learn more about yourself, you immediately learn about more about everyone else to have more compassion and empathy for other people's positions. And when you can put yourself in their shoes, truly put yourself in their shoes, then now you're partners, right? Now you're aligned with them. Um, And it's not an overnight thing, you know, but there's endless supplies of personal development resources (laughs) for you. One of my first favorites that my dad gave me in fifth grade was how to win friends and influence people. That will help you increase your emotional intelligence with some like really tactical, like practical tips on how to develop relationships and start conversations with people. No, I love that. It's a great book. I, yeah, I definitely second what you said. I mean, essentially identifying your own emotions so that you can see them in others is something that I really had to kind of learn going through therapy actually. So I, Mm -hmm. Like when you understand, oh, I have this feeling physically. So it could be, you know, like when you get rejected sometimes, there's a mm-hmm. physical feeling. For me, at least, it's kind of a tightness in your chest. And that comes from, for me, from feeling lonely. And I'm like, well, what, when did I feel this in other times in my life? Maybe after a mm-hmm. breakup or whatever it might be. And you start to recognize that physical feeling. Right. And then you see, okay, well, what is my body language when that happens? And then you're, you're totally right. You can start recognizing that in other people. So mm-hmm. when you're not engaged with something or just not into it or feeling down and you can see that on the other end of a zoom call, even, you yeah. know, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty crazy. Cause then you can just have a real conversation and, you know, sometimes when that happens, it'll just be like, Hey, it's, it might've been, you know, something that I didn't explain well enough, but feel free to let me know. It doesn't really seem like you're that excited <laughs> about yeah, what we're talking okay. about, which might totally yeah. be my, my fault here for not, explaining it properly, but like, like, like what's up, you know, what's up, (laughs) what's going on, you know, what's on your mind, like that kind of thing. Like people will be pretty real with you, but you have to do exactly what you talked about where you have to actually be able to identify and kind of like look at them and and be like, okay, have I felt how they're probably feeling before? And can I talk to that and come Mm -hmm. from a place of like trying to understand where they're coming from versus closing? you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Cause that's the thing that, then that's what I say about, that's why I said about make sure you're coming to the table as a neutral being, because if we're just focused on closing, um, instead of developing relationships and helping someone take, you know, change and take action, uh, those are two you know, different things. So, we can easily overlook those opportunities um, when we're we're so highly focused on the end goal. I actually don't. We don't do um, we don't do quotas or goals with our team. I know that sounds crazy, but <laughs> I work with mostly independent reps. But um, and we do have minimum standards, but we don't give them specific goals because in my experience and undoubtedly when I go against it to experiment, it trips people up because they go into every sales call thinking about their quota. And that is not the environment that's going to help them be the most effective salespeople. 
So ideally they don't, they're doing so good. They don't have to worry about it. But if it's the thing that they're thinking about right before the call, it's bad news. Um, there's one thing that when, when you said reminded me of this, um, you know, the technique of mirroring your clients. Yep. Okay. So the way I teach that, because that's kind of like old school manipulative, right? And I used to love when people, if I interviewed people and they were mirroring me, I'd be like, ha <laughs> you know, I'd get them to do a little dance. Mm-hmm. But um, I think of mirroring as the client is a mirror of myself. So if my client looks bored, what do I look like right now? And Zoom is great because you get to see yourself yep. on these calls. It's like the greatest learning tool. Um, what, what am I putting out? What is my energy like? How am I showing up? You need to represent the emotion that you're selling. If I'm selling something that the client needs to feel excited in order to buy from me, then I need to be excited. But if I'm selling something where the client needs to feel totally safe and secure and at peace before buying, like a burial plot or a life insurance policy or, or a you know, financial investment, then my emotions, I need to be that emotion that they're buying. I need to be peaceful and secure and um, trustworthy. So that's why it's not the same for every product. You've got to dive in and say, what are my customers really buying? What's the pain they have? And what do they really want to buy? Love it. This is cool. Good stuff. So I'll definitely make sure to link to the, some of the resources that you shared there. And yeah. before you take off here, Jessica, where do you want people to check out your stuff? Uh, where do you want them to go to? Uh, yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is I have a free script, the eight step code to convert leads to sales. And that actually takes you through systematically how to um, apply what we talked about with the emotions of sales into your sales process. And you can get that at freescript.jpmpartners.com. There you have it. Another interview in the books. My biggest takeaway was really getting back to the basics around, you know, engaging the person on an emotional level and really looking them, uh, really looking at them as a human being and getting outside, as Jessica talked about, the cycle of features and benefits because that's the wrong cycle, but really aligning yourself emotionally with your prospect. And there's no woo-woo factor to that. It's really thinking about like, how are they feeling right now? Knowing that if they have a good vibe about you versus a bad vibe, they're much more likely to entertain the idea of doing business with you, right? If they're open. And a lot of that is, is based on a feeling that they have. So making sure to tap into that and really engage them on an emotional level. And really at the end of the day, it's, hey, they're a human being. How are they feeling? Think about that. Talk to those feelings and work through some of the the feelings part of the sale along with the logical stuff that you're doing. So hope you get some value out of the podcast and we'll talk to you later.